Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, a place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Dwayne co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma, including an in-person two-day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath. And let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Helping Couples Heal podcast. This is Marnie, and I'm here with Dwayne. And today we have a fantastic guest who I imagine, if not all of you, most of you know and are familiar with, and she is the wonderful Carol the Coach. And we're going to be here today talking with Carol about our mutual passion for helping couples heal and about her book, Help Them Heal, and about all things helping couples heal. Well, hi, everybody. I am so glad to be here. Dwayne, I haven't seen you for years. I know. It's been a little while. I mean, I remember us doing our training for our CSAT way back when, before a lot of the work around couples and this new betrayal trauma model was was just starting to be thought about in the way in which we're thinking about it now and the way we're handling it now. So yeah, we have a long history. So it's good to see you, Carol. Well, yeah. And I think that was 2007, Dwayne, 2007 when we got our CSAT certification. That's a long time. Time goes by fast. I remember being at the Meadows with you. I think it might've been something around the symposium. I think there was a bus that took us over to the Meadows right from the symposium to look at their new, right? I think it was the Rio Retreat Center. The Gentle Path. The Gentle Path, right, yes. And and you and I were on the bus together and I remember you talking about all of the stuff that you were doing and your your radio show. And again, that goes back so many years and it's amazing to think about how far we've come and you know what's changed in the evolution of all of this work that we're doing with partners and with couples and betrayal trauma. So I'm just really glad for the opportunity to talk to you about all of that. And I know that our listeners will be thrilled to have you here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. And I love this podcast. You know, you were talking and at the end of our certification, I was already doing radio on drive time. And I said, I just lost that gig for the third time. You know, I was there for a couple of years, then a new producer comes in, then you're out, and then they call you back in. And and I said, hey, I'd like to do a podcast on sex addiction. Would any of you guys like to do it with me? Would you believe at that point there was not one podcast on sex addiction and certainly not partner betrayal? And Everybody looked at me like deers in a headlight, and they, they, they were like, what, what? And my very first person was Joe Court. He was the only volunteer I had. Since well, that's then, interesting he, and ironic. Yeah. Yes, it is. Since then, he now doesn't believe in sex addiction, but he sure did then. Um, and 
A year later, I did demographics for the first time. I just loved to talk. I didn't need to know how many listeners, although that first month I had 34 listeners the first week, 3,000 the second week, and 34,000 by the end of the month. So I knew there was a great need. Now, let me just tell you that literally I had the only podcast, and I would say unequivocally, next to AppSats, which I just handed my hosting over to Jake Porter, you guys are my favorite podcast. I love oh my your gosh. podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much. You know, when we started our podcast, it was sort of a similar thing. There were definitely some other podcasts around, but we didn't think, not to say we didn't think anyone would listen, but we certainly didn't think it was going to be something that was so helpful to so many people and that there was such a need. So it's been eye-opening for both Dwayne and I to see how many couples are really in need of these kind of resources, this help, and um, thank God for podcasts, right? Because years ago, people had to pay extraordinary amounts of money to go and find treatment. And now at least there are all of these free resources out there. And, you know, I tell a lot of clients when they want to work with me, I say, listen to the podcast though, because you're going to get hours and hours and hours and hours of really great information and you won't have to pay for any of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I absolutely agree. And I got to tell you, that brought me back to the original point I made. So didn't do demographics. One year into it, I decided to see who's really listening. And 52% of my listening audience at one year after I started it, it was women. And I thought these are not female sex addicts because that's what my show was for. It was for sex addicts. These are partners that can't figure out what is going on with their husband. And I believe that we have all gone from treating the sex addict. And I know you, Marnie, because you're part of that organization of AppSats, We then went partner sensitive, and now we're really trying to help couples. And we've all figured out amazing resources for them. Absolutely. To see that like evolution that we went through and, you know, as treatment providers and starting to get this information and realizing like there's this missing piece that we're not recognizing and being able to start to address it. And yeah, bring into, I think what is at the core is relationship and connection is where all the healing happens for anyone, sex addiction, betrayed partner, whatever it is, it's going to be through relationship that healing ultimately happens. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We used to have sort of this treatment model where the sex addict would have treatment and get sober and focus on, you know, relapse prevention and all of their stuff, right? What caused them to have the addiction and all that stuff. And then we had the betrayed partner who was in a great deal of trauma and pain and he or she would go and get support, right, in dealing with the trauma there. And really the couple was sort of left without a lot of resources to get them through, right? You have two traumatized people and they're trying to heal a relationship that was traumatized. And so now, again, the best news is there's so many resources. And I would like to ask you to share a little bit about this certification program that you created, the IRCAM, and um, to share a little bit about what that is and how that came to be. And I know that some of the coaches that work for Dwayne and I at Helping Couples Heal have actually taken your certification program, your training. And so, um, yeah, please tell us about that. Well, it was an interesting phenomenon because 
I was helping the addicts get healthy, and they were. They were amazingly better with this 10-point formula. And I'd ask about their wives, and they'd say, oh, she's not doing well. She's not sleeping. She's not eating. She's in the fetal position on the floor, or, or she's beating me up in the middle of the night, and she's never had a violent bone in her body, and I just don't know who I'm living with which was so ironic because that was exactly how the partner felt like. She's thinking, who am I living with? And who am I becoming, right? Who am I becoming as a result of, you know, who I'm living with and what I'm dealing with? Yeah, you're right. I did an animation. It's on my website. Anybody can go to it. And it's called the Brain Science of Partner Trauma. And her last segment is doubting reality and doubting myself. Because you know, Marnie, based on our AppSats work, That is how it leaves a partner, really doubting herself, her reality, her intuition. And she asks herself, is she settling, especially if they're not getting better relationally? If they're getting better relationally, it is a huge step forward to know that they can get to that third phase, which APSATS calls restoration. I call it post-traumatic growth. So (laughs) I knew that I had to help him develop empathy for her. And that's why I wrote, Help Her Heal. And I loved it, but it was really only the beginning of the transition for helping couples heal. It was all about teaching him how to make her feel safe. But you know, guys, that partner betrayal requires all that grief and anger work. And then they've got to find a purpose together So I decided I would write Unleashing Your Power for the partner, whether she was with a man or not, to teach her how she could heal herself. And I would ask her to employ her support groups, you know, get her best friend in there. How about her sister who knows what's going on? And so I did that book. And then I said, you know, you're missing something. And that is Help Them Heal. And so as I was thinking about how can I write that book, it hit me that we really needed to teach more clinicians and coaches how to help the couple heal. And so despite the funky name, ERCAM, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model, I knew that this certification had to teach empathy across the board. And believe it or not, she needed to acquire empathy for him after she got safe and stable. And so I've got this four-day training. I've already trained almost 100 people. I just did a New Zealand training last week, so I'm super excited. I did not get to go. It was all telehealth. From 4 in the afternoon till 11.30 at night. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh Um, And I, I had a somewhat rigorous day prior to, but that's all my fault. But anyway, so what I'm so excited about is I have this four-day training and it teaches professionals how to do the APSATS model, which of course was based on Judith Herman's trauma model and the exercises that I developed for Help Her Heal and Unleashing Your Power And now it's in Help Them Heal. So it's a whole string of exercises. I know in my IRCM training, I have 19 videos that clients have made for me on how to do this work. And so not only is it amazing from a teaching aspect, 
but the generosity of this community of couples who want to teach what they need. So it's been amazing. It is so amazing to be able to see that because there's so much pain and suffering and it can feel so hopeless to be able to see that there actually is a roadmap in a way through this, that it's not this black box, kind of black whole thing that you're just never going to get out of, which I think in the beginning of this, it, it probably felt that way. But as we've done this work, we've been able to create that. And that's amazing that you're putting that out there in a way that is digestible. And I love training clinicians because um, there's so much trauma that comes from clinicians not understanding betrayal trauma and trying to do their best to help and actually creating more uh, treatment-induced trauma, which is heartbreaking too. So to be able to have that skill set, and it's just so needed, it's super exciting. Well, and I don't know if you saw last week, but now ITAP, the certification body who certifies CSATs, they're having me do an entire module on ERCOM. And I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I'm so excited. That's amazing. I did see that. And you know, what's funny is I saw that you were involved with it. And I was wondering what the difference is, because I didn't realize you were just going to do a module on Urkham. I thought you were going to be one of the faculty sort of creating this new program that they were doing. And I thought, how is that going to be different from what Carol's doing, you know, with her training? So I understand it now. And I'm so excited that you're going to do that. And something I would love for you to be able to share is What are those elements that you teach for the early recovery portion, right? Like what's different for you and that model than what we do with couples in later stages? Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I set up a structure. And and again, in Help Them Heal, the couples can read about this very structure because you and I, we all know that couples aren't always fortunate enough to have professionals that have expertise in sex addiction and partner betrayal. And they may be in Africa and they may be in the Ukraine and they may need a book to walk them through this process. But I always do things with multiple purposes because I also know that this is a book for couples, but for clinicians and coaches, they can read it and walk their clients through the work I'm asking them to do and also that they may have been trained to do an ERCOM. So let me just share. Uh, It's a four-day training, and the first day talks about the necessity of what we already know, the fact that healing a coupleship requires empathy, and it really requires him stepping up to the plate and being the initiator in her safety. And so he has to get sober, We're only asking initially for 90 days before he starts the process of the disclosure, followed by a polygraph, the emotional impact letter, and the um, restitution. And then once they've got that chunk of work done, and you know that can take anywhere from a month to six months. I By the time he's gotten done with his recovery and then can start working on that, So many of our couples have waited three decades for a disclosure. I mean, it's unconscionable, but what I know, and you guys do too, they don't know what they don't know. And we're all pioneers in this field, and I'm trying to get this more structured. So that's what I first advocate. And then 
I literally have them go through the beginning exercises of help her heal, but I wrote it for the coupleship. So I'm assessing willingness. Is he willing to do the hard things to help them heal? And there's a willingness exercise. And it used to be out of help or heal. He just did that. But now I have them both do that so that she can add what she needs to feel safe because he, he can't possibly know at the beginning stages of couples work what she really needs. He's still shocked that he caused this trauma and he needs some help with that. So they do a willingness list and they read it to each other and they learn relational skills like reflective listening. I never have a couple in my office that don't sit knees to knees, look at the left eye, the window to the soul, and slowly with a tempo and a volume that's easy for her brain. You know, she is having executive functioning difficulty if she's just experienced discovery. And the interesting thing about that is that's why I created the, both the animations that I have on my website. The first one is on uh, the brain trauma of partner betrayal. And then the second one is on sex addiction. And why did this happen to him? You know, that's what the women want to know. And I don't mean to be in any way being heterosexual only, but I just do it for simplicity. We certainly have female sex addicts. We have gay couples. We have transgender couples. I don't mean to leave anybody out, but I'm going to in this interview just to make it easier for me. Women want to know, why did he do this to me? And so towards the end of that first phase, I utilize a tool that Dort Reichenthal created, and I call it the enlightenment exercise. And it's really him sharing, and I know you'll appreciate this, Marnie, because you've done lunches and learns on this, the fourth step of his treatment. And then in that, he adds the resentments he had about the relationship that he probably created to justify, minimize, and deny. Or maybe they came tagged along. I was talking to a couple today, and he said, you know, my mother abandoned me, and I was so mad. I think I have taken it out. I found a vulnerable woman to love, and then I was able to take out my anger on her. And so, so much of a couple's history comes from what they dealt with, post-traumatic stress, complex post-traumatic stress, abandonment, all those things. And so that first phase, safety and stabilization that I write about in Help Them Heal, I also train clinicians and coaches on. But I do it from an Irkham perspective and an empathy perspective because empathy is going to be the theme that runs through all three phases of this trauma model. So they have to talk about the woundedness. They have to talk about the willingness. They have to understand about each other's brains. They, you know, there's nothing better than her really figuring out that this addiction started way before he met her. You know, this isn't because of her. This isn't because of anything they were lacking. It started before. Then when we get into that second phase, and I call it anger, grief, mourning, and loss, I have them do about 
30 different exercises where they get to really talk about the losses, not just her losses, but what the addiction robbed from him. I mean, we're really, by the time we get to phase two, we want our couples to understand that he's gone through a lot to have this addiction and he never meant to cause this trauma, and he did. And there's a lot of shame around that. So we also do shame resiliency exercises to help protect him and to teach him not to take things personal. And that's really hard for an addict because he does know that his past behavior caused this pain, you know? And then the third, I love the third phase, but I find that in our profession, we don't talk enough about that post-traumatic growth phase. We kind of leave them in safety and stabilization because that's the most important one. They can't get anywhere else till they feel that, but we need to be interjecting at the end of phase one and phase two, post-traumatic growth visioning and coping skills and philosophical statements that they can live by. And they need to be contributing a little bit more to other things and not necessarily things that have to do with partners or addicts, which they naturally want to go to, but how can they make a difference in the world that isn't defined by partner betrayal and sex addiction? You know, it's time to really rebuild the relationship. That's where so many of the couples that we see and work with are desperate to get to, right? That's why they're going through all of the hard lifting, the intense grieving and trying to heal the relationship. Oftentimes they don't have the hope that it's even possible. Um, And I think that that's where we come in, in providing hope, right? But I do want to say for all the people listening that are not in stage three, right? That are really struggling maybe in in the first stage and and maybe the second, that there is hope and that there is this post-traumatic growth stage. And we see that and that's why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So many people think I'm a partner because I've studied this so much that they assume, well, you've got to know this. And the truth is, I asked Patrick Carnes when we were doing our CSAT certification, I said, I got two issues. Is it going to be a problem that I'm a woman working with men? And interestingly enough, don't take this personal, Dwayne. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he said that he felt men would feel more comfortable talking to females. The second thing I said, because so many of the CSATs that were in my class were all in recovery and they were giving back. They were in post-traumatic growth and they wanted to give back and they wanted to help other addicts. And I said, is it going to be a problem that I'm not a sex addict? And he said, you don't have to have cancer to be able to cure it. And I said, okay, that's what I'll do. And then the last thing he said to me, which I think is so important, I said, what is the number one thing I can do for addicts? And he said, start a support group that's actually therapeutic. I want you to do therapy group for sex addicts. That's what they need most of all. They need to be able to crosstalk and they need to be able to feed their experiences directly to the person that just brought it up. And so that's where I started and realizing that groups were so important in their healing And this, as you well know, because you guys have done it too, it just grows bigger and bigger and into more and more caveats for the addict, for the partner, for the couples. I mean, the fact that you're doing 
community work with couples now, and they are building on that and they're helping each other. And it's not just dependent on you guys that eventually have to go to bed. They can't call you at three in the morning. That's right. Yeah, they got to be able to help each other. And there's incredible growth in that. When you talk about group work, it's like, I really think for anyone who's healing, maybe not just addiction, but trauma, that group support is so uh, changing, so uh, so important to this process because you hear others who understand, you get that compassion. It's the place you get to start practicing being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And Carol, when you and I did the last interview we did where you had me on your show, mm-hmm. we talked about our community. And I think I said this then, but if you take everything out of our community that we offer in terms of content, education, you know, skills, all of that, if you took that away, you would still have an unbelievable resource in the community because it's about couples helping couples heal, right? Just like you said, just like Dwayne said, there is nothing quite like having people help each other when you're in the same situation. And, you know, in addition to what you said about the groups for addicts, right, and how they can support each other, it's also that they can call each other out in a way that I think is more effective even than when a therapist calls them out. Mm I 100% agree. Yeah, they've been in their shoes and they're able to see like, hey, I know what you're doing. I've done that before. Right. And um, it's just, it's pretty amazing. Well, and I think they do that with such grace because they also know the shame that has accompanied either staying with him or the shame that accompanies addiction. And I'm always impressed when they can help call somebody out by sandwiching it with, you know, I know this has been hard and you've been dealing with this for four years now, but you're just going into denial and using justification and I'm seeing it and I'm thinking that's not going to get you what you need with your wife. And so I'm wondering, and then the bottom half, if you would be willing to consider doing it a different way, because what you're doing right now isn't working. And, you know, when they can communicate like that, call them out, but also remind them that they were there too. It's so powerful. It is so powerful. I have a question for you, Carol. I just wanted to get your take on this because a lot of times what I see what happens is when we say you, you know, you have to have empathy for the person who hurts you, that it can feel very dismissing of that hurt. And a lot of times what I get, I get a lot of pushback when I say, you know, at some point the relationship has to become mutual, right? Otherwise it's not a healthy relationship. It doesn't feel good to be in an unlevel relationship. But I wonder how you deal with that kind of pushback from a partner that's been betrayed. And sometimes that behavior can be pretty abusive, all the gaslighting and deception and all of that. So I'm just wondering how you handle that or or what would you say to a partner who may have that comment? Yeah, well, first of all, um, part of the beauty of this work is that I no longer see partners or addicts separately. I only see them as a couple. So from day one, they're in my office and he's getting a real dose of what has happened to her from a professional and obviously from his own life experience. So they're walking that journey with me and he's doing all this safety and stabilization, sometimes for 12 to 
36 months. It may take that long for her to stabilize. When she's been stabilized for that length of time and when she can see that he's really using those techniques, she is much more able to agree to empathy even if there's a little part of her that says, well, I don't know why I have to be his cheerleader. I mean, we shouldn't even be here today. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't do cartwheels because... The truth is, my experience is, women are natural empathizers. And when a man is put in that kind of time and work, they get it, they see it, they smell it, they taste it, and they're ready to equalize the relationship. Because I know that he had all the power when he was in addiction, and she was down here. And then when she discovered most of the time she's in the powerful position in that she gets to decide, do I stay or do I go? Now we know from AppSats that a partner can stay for any reason she wants. That's up to her for money, for finances, because she's too tired to break up the house for the kids, for the grandkids, whatever. But when they get to a place where now he's helping her grieve and mourn what the addiction did, she sees that empathy that he's been showing and she's ready to give it to him. And it naturally occurs. Plus she's been through this process. I mean, I would never recommend empathy in the first stage. You know, she's got to be acknowledged, validated and reassured for months and months and months. So really setting that expectation for the person who's done betrayal that they really have to show up and it's a real commitment maybe 12 months, you know, maybe two years of really maybe having an unequal relationship in a way to be able to help that partner stabilize enough to be able to then turn to be empathetic and turn that corner. But they have to see it. It has to be shown to them. Mm -hmm. And you know that if he makes a mistake, if he lies about taking the trash out, if he does Bitcoin when he promised that he wouldn't, it triggers every betrayal that they've experienced as a couple. So it really means building his sense of integrity. And that's part of that safety too. And, you know, this addiction is the hardest to beat. So I don't mean to say, oh, this is easy, easy, easy. But the men I work with really want their integrity back or they want it for the very first time. And Yeah, I see that too. Yeah. And so if they make a mistake, we're talking about what consequences should occur. How can she feel safe? But we're also talking about, let's look at the big picture here. You caught it. You found out about it. Good job. I told you you would. And what do you need to do to feel safe? And what does he need to do to tighten that recovery program that obviously has gotten lax or needs strengthening anyway? Because that's not the man he wants to be. He doesn't want to lie about um, looking at new cars without letting her know. So something that I see often is that, okay, so you have a couple and he, let's use he again for simplicity here. um, He has stopped the acting out, right? He came into a program, he got sober, but those integrity pieces, right? The, let's, let's say the lack of integrity or the integrity violations mm-hmm. even continue. To 
to me, the way that I conceptualize that, Carol, is that it makes later healing much more difficult, right? So how do you help or do you include something like this in Help Her Heal for the people that say, I'm sober, you know, enough. I've been sober for six months. I've been sober for a year, whatever it is. Let's move on, right? How do you incorporate this other piece, the part about like the emotional abuse and the lack of integrity that can continue for a while? Well, that takes a lot of psychoeducation about that specific issue. I mean, truly, they're thinking that it's the addiction that needs to heal when in essence, it's about him showing up and being the man that they both want him to be. And I do a lot of psychoeducation about, I just said it today, this means that you have to be 100% honest about everything. And that goes against every bit of your sexual addiction. Your sexual addiction required that you deceive and lie and hold secretive all the deception. And now this is going to take a while for you to really trust her to not avoid the conflict. Because ultimately, I find that a man does that for two reasons. He either wants what he wants because he wants it, which is addict thinking, and it's the way he's been raised, and it probably came from a place in his childhood where he didn't get it to begin with, regardless. Or he doesn't understand the fundamentals of true honesty. You know, I bring Janice uh, Cottle and Dan Drake's intimacy pyramid into the play. And they did a wonderful intimacy pyramid that started with honesty. And then it went to truth. And then it went to safety. And then it went to vulnerability. And then it went to intimacy. And after I'd done that for a while, because I'm me and because I'm pro-empathy, I said, hey, wait a minute, what's this missing? And so I started asking every group. I run a helper heal group and I run a sex addiction therapy group, and I run a partners group. And I said, hey guys, will you create your own intimacy pyramid based on what you think are the most important values? And I do this with all my couples. And you would not believe the amazing words that they come up with that they want in their marriage. You know, it may be assertiveness because she may have always deferred to him. Or it may be empathy, it may be connection, it may be boundaries that they put in their intimacy pyramid because they know that's what they need for their own marriage. When we're discussing that kind of stuff, it totally changes his perspective because he's never thought of intimacy like that. He's never thought, oh yeah, I've got to have honesty and truth, and then I've got to have empathy. And then I've got to make sure she's safe. And if she's not safe, I need more of the other stuff before I even begin to think about vulnerability. And so it's really exposure. And I do two things. I teach my clinicians and coaches to be experts, which really we try not to be. You know, we want it to be a team approach, but I find that this is so devastating. They want to know that it's going to take three years before they get into this phase. They want to know that that's unacceptable behavior and that we got to figure out a new way to reroute that. And when you can be on their team and be a pioneer together, I find, believe it or not, that they do much, much better. They become our evangelists. They sing our praises. 
And they also begin changing the world themselves because they take it back into their support groups. They take it back to their friends and they say, you know, what do you mean I have to stay on my side of the street? That's not right. I mean, I don't know if you saw guys, but I just was informed by one of my clients, a sex addict, that Help Her Heal is on the international website, sa-recovery.org for Sex Addicts Anonymous, as a book study. And see, wow, I that know is amazing. That it's amazing because it means that they're willing to be partner sensitive. They're making that shift ever so slowly. And that site is only supposed to have 12-step approved literature recommended but they're allowing it. And so he told me that. And I said, I think you're having a hallucination. There's just no way. They aren't allowed to put other people's stuff in. Now, what I have heard is that they do it from time to time, but I scrolled through all those meetings. I didn't see another outside resource like that. And that means that Sex Addicts Anonymous recognizes that he needs to learn empathy to help her heal, which is not so much about his need to learn empathy, but that he has to help her heal. That's partner sensitive. And it just really does my heart warm. What's amazing about that is that, well, it's really what you just said, Carol, that it used to be where this, the sex addict would go to SAA or you know other 12-step groups. And the focus was exclusively on his or her sobriety getting sober from the behavior, in this case, getting sober from sex addiction. And that whole other piece was left out. So they would come in and their life was completely unmanageable. And they were particularly concerned because they were going to lose their relationship or their marriage. But that was just kind of ignored. And the focus was, okay, you stay in your lane, you stay on your side of the street and you stop doing this behavior. Right. And then the partner was completely left out of the equation. So the fact that you are saying that that book is now included on the 12-step website, that is, I mean, that's huge. I want to make it clear that that's not just kind of cool. That's great. That is like you're changing history, really, you know, 12-step history. And to teach addicts that they don't just have to get sober, that if they want to stay in their marriage, they are responsible for helping their partner heal from the betrayal that they caused. It's amazing. And I would say even from a selfish perspective, if they want healing for themselves, this is how they will heal. By showing up to be a better human for their partner, they will get their own healing out of that. That is where they will grow and become just a better person and in in essence, feel better about themselves. It's good for everybody. It's where it's really at. Well, and to piggyback, Dwayne, on what you had said before about how do you broach her having empathy when, you know, she's been run over by a Mack truck 33 times. One is that she sees that he's getting better and he's developing those relational skills. And then two is that most partners love their husbands, and they don't want to leave. They really don't, but they don't want this behavior to continue. And when I think about the work we're doing, you know, we're really ahead of the game and we're doing things that have never been done. And I love that when we can provide services that you wouldn't have thought about 15 years ago. 
And it's our investment in couples that makes it so. I mean, apps, they change the trajectory of partner trauma by acknowledging its partner trauma and that it needs to be treated. And yet they really didn't talk much about couples. So they did this great thing and we're just carrying it forward. And I can't wait to see, I'm leaning into into retirement. I, I said this year, I would have half of the caseload and I would begin to rest. <laughs> I'd begin to relax. And then- How's that going? It's not. <laughs> it <is. laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. When I was working 12 hours last week because I took a training at 4 p.m. till 11.30, I said, this is not what I had planned, but it is. It absolutely is because we need to let people know all over the world what we believe can help. And hopefully people will piggyback on us and improve what we're talking about and really put it out there. And so just to let our listening audience know, because I know you have clinicians and coaches that listen to this podcast too. Yeah, They're always talking about it. That IRCAM module, it's four days and it's part of ITAP's curriculum, but they're really letting me do the certification. So they're allowing us to use this as one piece of a four-piece certification program for couples. And that in itself is amazing that we're going to have a couples program for professionals. I mean, well, who thought at our training that this is where it would evolve to, but it is so exciting that this field is evolving in such a meaningful way to really, really help people on a deep level. And I think we just keep getting better at it and helping more people and, and avoiding some of the um, potholes along the way as we go and get better. And yeah, who would have thought when we were back in 2007? So for anybody who's listening that is interested in learning more about either Urkham or about Help Them Heal or Help Her Heal or Unleashing Your Power, how do they get that information? Where do they find you? Well, they go to my website, which is kind of interesting. It's my old website, which was Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And it immediately turns into Help Them Heal. And uh, they can look at the products. They can look at the resources. They can contact me. I am not taking individual clients except for my groups. I'm doing some consulting, but that's my attempt at getting my stats down. I see over 55 people a week, and that doesn't even include the three groups. (laughs) So I have been- Oh, Carol. (laughs) I know. I've been kicking butt. I just can't get enough of this work. I love this work. So that's how they can get a hold of me. They can email me at carol at carolthecoach.com. I do have people that have been trained in Urkham that are in the back of my book. I also have a directory on site. If you want to try somebody who's Urkham specialized, but more importantly, I want you to read the book because I want you to use people like Marnie and Dwayne and my Urkham specialists, everybody that they employ are all empathy specialists. They may not have gone through the certification, but they care about partners, they care about addicts, they care about couples, and they do empathy. And that's really what we got to do is we got to keep referring to people that are going to be kind, know this business, and um, teach compassion. Oh, thank you, Carol, so much for coming on and talking. We just so much appreciate it. Well, thank you, guys. And let's do it again soon. 
Yeah, thank you for all your contributions to this field. It really wouldn't be where it is without you. So thanks, Carol, and good luck with your um, good luck with your retirement. I think you're going to need it. <laughs> okay, and I'll see you for the next community meeting. Sounds great. <laughs> Bye, Carol. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Marnie and Duane in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.